Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And then verse 4 says, And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in, our, in his own household. And he could not do mighty work there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went among the villages teaching. This is the word of God and I believe it's going to speak to us today. Would you just join me in prayer as we ask for that? Lord, I thank you so much. And I pray that as we just jump into your word, our hearts are hungry. We're desperate to hear more of you, God. We're desperate to hear from you, God. So we boldly ask that you would speak to us, challenge us, change our perspective to see you clearly, God. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Somebody give him an amen. 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 Give your neighbor a high five one more time and tell him, are you ready? So every week, uh, my prayer coming into this is that you will see Jesus clearly. Every, every week, I pray that we see God in a clearer way and a more accurate way, and then we leave here with a better understanding of who God is. And the, the verse, and actually the quote that I love to, to think about, is this one by the philosopher and the theologian A.W. Tozer, who says this, who says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So what comes into your mind when you think about God? That is the most important thing about you. It's more important than the clothes you buy. It's more important than the choices you make. It's more important than the, the choices you choose to, the relationships you even have around you. It's more important than if you choose the, the bowl of ice cream over the gluten-free salad. It's more important than every single thing about your life, your physical health, your financial health, your, your, your relational health. And, and so, so what I believe here, if that's the most important thing about us, we really have to ask that question, what comes to our mind when we think about God? Because I believe a lot of us have an inaccurate view of who, who God is. We, ha- we, we think we know, but the reality is we've built up experiences, we've had experiences that have shaped our theology and even twisted our view of God. What comes into our mind which is, is different. And I believe as we're looking at this, we see some people in Scripture that failed to do this, and we're looking at God with a distorted view. And so ultimately, I see this. They didn't see Jesus clearly. So, so here's the main thing I want to communicate today, and it's going to kind of be based around this, is that when we, fit, when we fail to see Jesus clearly, we will distance ourselves from him. We just read that passage. What happened? Those people in their hometown, they looked at Jesus and saw him in a distorted view. They, didn't, they failed to accept. Sorry about that. I got, do I got a backup mic? Yeah, I got backup. So if it does it again, we'll, we'll switch to the backup. But, we have, but the prophets 
or the, the people said, looked at him and said, no, this prophet isn't welcomed in his hometown. They had a distorted view of God, and they distanced themselves from God. And they even limited what God wanted to do in that place. And so, so my question today, as we look at this people, is are we limiting God? Are we distancing ourselves from God because we don't see Jesus clearly? And we have this perspective that is built up upon think, about, on things that have happened in the past and our familiarity breeding contempt, and we're looking at Jesus in this way. And so, so here's a few things about this context. We read about the group of people that were looking at them through, and limiting Jesus on their perspective. They looked at him through the lens of offense and contempt. So he had been doing miracles all around in different cities. And the people were, there was throngs of people surrounding him. People were coming, just trying, pushing through. We read about the woman with the issue of blood that pushed through the crowd just to touch his cloak. And, but, but he comes to his hometown, and he's rejected. And that was certainly a surprise. And so Jesus said these words, a prophet is not without, without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. So have you heard this saying that familiarity breeds contempt? Anybody heard that? Raise your hand if you've heard that before. And so some people have said this and stated this like it's a human law of relationships, that familiarity breeds contempt. And contempt is looking at someone with a view and considering them of less value, negatively looking at someone else, and, and considering that looking at them with scorn, according to Google's definition of the word contempt. And so what this is saying is the more you become familiar with someone, you're eventually going to find out they're flawed, because we all are, and then you're eventually going to look at them through those flaws, and you're going to look at them in a negative light. So I've, I've asked this question, like, where did this come from? Turns out there's a few guys that started saying it, and it became a thing. But I asked this question, is that accurate? Like, have you thought about that? You know, some sayings are just out there, and you got to ask, like, well, where does this come from, and is this truth? And so I started asking myself, is this true? Is this, this saying really true? And ultimately, I've come to the conclusion that I don't believe this statement is true. And you want to know the reason why? Is that it's, it's stated as an absolute. Familiarity will breed contempt. This plus this equals this. And so what I believe is familiarity can breed contempt. And so I want you to, I think the next slide, the, the, I want you to cross this out. Familiarity breeds contempt, and I want you to replace it with this. Familiarity without understanding breeds contempt. Because you see those, those people of their hometown, Jesus' hometown, the people of Nazareth, didn't, weren't willing to understand. They were without understanding, and they looked at, at Jesus through the lens of offense. They looked at Jesus as the hometown kid, as the kid that lived down the street, and they were unable to accept him as Lord. They were unable to accept him as the son of God. They were unable to accept him as the Messiah. They were unable to even accept the miracles that were happening. And so they labeled them as, as false. They didn't choose to accept that he was Lord. And so familiarity doesn't have to breed contempt. That's what happened in this circumstance. And some people say Jesus was just saying familiarity breeds contempt because that's a saying. But what really, I don't, Jesus wasn't saying this is what has to happen because familiarity can be the best thing about a relationship. I've been married to, to Veronica for nine years now. Come on, come, someone make me feel good about that. Thank you. 
So nine years of marriage, I've become more familiar. I'm way more familiar than, with Veronica than I was nine years ago. And that is our best thing. Because I choose to understand, then the reality is she chooses to understand me and all my flaws and all my faults and all my shortcomings. And, but without understanding, if we didn't have that component in that, we would start to look at each other in a negative light because we said, man, this person never pick, puts, up, put, puts away the trash, always leaving the laundry out, and I look at her in a negative way. But if I didn't have understanding and realize the kids are going crazy, and, and if I was to hang out with them throughout the day on a regular basis as often as she does, I would understand, yeah, I get why she didn't put the trash away. And so without understanding in our relationships, we will, it will breed contempt. And the same goes with our relationship with God. See, some of us have shaped our theology, shaped our understanding of God, and we're just unwilling to change it. We're just unwilling because, because we've known God. We've heard about God since we were a little kid. And our understanding, our, it has been ingrained in us, and the, the longer something goes on, the harder it is to change. So some of us have been Christians all our life, and we're still limiting God. And it's even harder to change now because we've always seen Jesus this way, and this is the way he always is. But what if the way you learned wasn't the accurate way? What if we've based our theology on experiences and we're limiting God? In this case, those, those people of Nazareth were, were limiting God because he didn't, they were unwilling to, to accept him. And I believe this, many of us have become familiar with Jesus. We've become familiar with Jesus, because, but because we lack the desire to understand, we have developed an inaccurate view of who he is. And that limits us. That limits our relationship. That limits the miracles he wants to do. That limits our relationship with him. And so here's what I want to demonstrate. We want to see Jesus clearly. I mentioned that at the beginning. And this, I believe, is an example of the lens we see Jesus through. And we look at this, and right now it's clear. And, and we want to see Jesus clearly. We want to look up at God and see him clearly. But the reality is we all go through these experiences that shape our view of who God is. And a lot of times what happens is the negative view will distort. And so we have a lot of ugly things happen to us. And this muddy rag represents those negative experiences that we don't understand. And we choose not to, to even look at how to understand this. So this view of God becomes muddied and blurred. When something bad happens, a family member dies, and we choose to, to, to have this experience happen to us, or we don't have a choice, but it happens to us, but we don't have the desire to understand God. We're not seeking God through it. And after it all comes down, we've never resolved it, and so we have this blurry lens of God. A relationship goes bad, and then we have a more blurry, blurry view of God over here. And, and as we look at this, it comes into play where now we're looking at God through this blurry lens, and we can barely see God clearly. We can't see God clearly. We can kind of see him. We know he's real. We know he's, he's powerful. We know he's in control, maybe. But the reality is we're limiting him because we're, God's going, hey, will you look at me clearly? Would you be willing to understand? Would you be willing for me to allow you to, to wipe this clean so you can see me clearly? See, I think uh, as children, they're like, I look at my kids, and they have this amazing faith. They have this amazing faith that I love. And sometimes I look at them and like, well, that's not how it works. 
But then I asked myself, well, is this how it works? Because my kid would come up and say, hey, daddy, you're sick. Let me pray for you so you'll be healed. And then, and then she'll pray for me. She's like, are you healed? Are you better now? And I love it. And part of me says like, well, that's not how that works. But then I'm like, wait, where did I get that? Where did I, where did I develop that? Because she has this pure, she hasn't had all these experiences like I have. And sometimes I think when Jesus says, hey, let the children come to me and we should have childlike faith, it's because they haven't had this mess yet. And we need to clear this. The way we clear this mess is with understanding. When we have the desire to understand. So I want to place this right here as a reminder that we, we this is how often, this, this is often how our lens of God is. This is what most of us are looking at God with. We think we're seeing him clear, but the reality is we have this blurry, blurry view, this distorted view of God, and it's limiting us. It's the most important thing about us, and it's blurry. It's the most important thing is what we think of God, and we have this blurry version of it, and many of us are limiting God, and our relationship with God is struggling, and as a result, our relationship with our families, our struggling relationship at work, even our joy, our peace, every aspect of our life is struggling, and it's all hinging on the most important thing, and that is how we view God. So how do we do this? How do we view God clearly? How do we, how do we take these things that happen to us and, and look at them through, through the correct light? And, and so one of the things I want to explain happens with this is, is, is that we blame God for things that happen. You know, like someone cancels our favorite TV show. Man, that's scarring. We get a blurry view of God. What happened? The Kings lose by like 40 points last night. God, what is going on? Some, some people can relate. That raise that was supposed to go to you goes to the other person that, was, that wasn't, didn't deserve it. You were working way harder than them. That person's a jerk anyways, but they get the raise. Like, what's going on? If we don't have understanding, we'll take these things and we'll have the audacity to blame God for them. Sometimes that happens. And when we do that, we're smearing more on this picture. We have the audacity to blame God for the things that happen. When we have a minute scale of what, of what it means that God is in control. Because often we think, well, if God's in control and God loves me, he's going to, to give me that raise. He's going to do everything I want him to do. But if we look at scripture, that's not accurate. We need to, have, we need to look at God with the willingness to shift our view. Because some of us view God based on our experiences. This blurry version is, is looking at him like he's actually very distant from us. And he doesn't care about my needs. That's what this represents. He doesn't care about my needs because A, B, and C happened. And we're looking at God in this aspect. And we're not choosing to understand you know what? Some of us view, view God as unconcerned with our problems. Some of us view God as just a ticket to heaven. It's like, you know what? This is how you get to heaven. And I, I prayed that prayer, and I asked him into my heart, so I'm good to go. And that's as far as my relationship with God is. That is incredibly limiting. He is a personal God. He wants to show you. He wants to pour out his love on you. He wants to heal those areas of your life that you're just saying, no, he's a ticket to heaven, but you're ha you have all this pain in your heart and you're not willing to accept that he wants to heal you. So this is incredibly important. And I want to just give you a few ways that I believe these Nazarites missed it. They missed it big time. He was, he was, Jesus was coming to them, our theo and their theology was off. And that, their theology was based on their experiences. They just saw him as that hometown kid from down the street, and they were unable to accept him as Lord. 
So I want to give you a few things on how to see Jesus clearly. And the first thing is this, is that we choose understanding over assumptions. And when we choose understanding, we start to clear it up a little bit. We choose understanding over assumptions. There's a part, we, we start making the progress on making this clear and seeing Jesus clearly. Um, so when we choose understanding over assumptions, that's, that's something difficult to do. I struggle with it because just like, uh, like I just don't like getting into the nitty gritty. Sometimes I just don't have the desire to understand things. Just like, for probably the worst example of this, is when I put together furniture. Like, I just want to be like, hey, A goes to B, and I don't need to read instructions. I'm just going to, to do what feels right, what seems right, and what I assume is right. And often we do this with our relationship with God. We say, I'm pretty sure this is how God is. But we're unwilling to, to say, God, what is it that you want to do? What is it? How, it? how do you relate to us? See, we feel like God should be this. We've heard God should be this. We assume that God doesn't care. We assume God is distant. We assume God is mad at us because that's what feels right. You know, I've done a bunch of dumb stuff, and so I'm pretty sure God's mad at me. We're seeing God in a distorted, warped view. But what if you approach God with understanding? One of my favorite passages in Psalms is, is how David cries out, and David had a ton of stuff he messed up. But I love, he's called a man after, his, after God's own heart. And this verse shows his understanding. He says, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Do you see that humility? Do you see the way he's approaching God? He's not even asking some, a favor, but he's saying, God, I want to know you. Make to me known. Speak to me, God. Make to me known your ways. Lord, teach me your path. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. And I, and I think this needs to be the attitude of our heart. When we talk about prayer, it's not a laundry list of, of things we want God to do for us. But what if we approached God in the way that's saying, God, I want to know your heart. Tuesdays and Thursday mornings, we've been praying at our new building from 6.30 to 7.30. It's been incredible. And one of the prayers that this, this woman named Elise, who keeps on coming, and she'll read a scripture, and she'll, it'll talk about the joy of her salvation. And she'll say, God, show me what this means to know what it means to have the joy of our salvation. Show me what that means. Show us what that means. And I've been so encouraged by that prayer. She keeps on praying. It's a different topic from time to time. And I, and I want to pray it more. To be honest, I've, I've been familiar with Jesus so long that, maybe, that often I have to check myself as, and say, am I open? To, am I, do I desire to understand what God's doing? Do I have the desire to understand what he's trying to speak to me? And we need to pray these prayers like, like David did. And the Nazarites were, were, were so far off from that. They were unwilling to see who Jesus was. They were, in fact, insulting him. You see, they said, son of Mary. And they said, the brother, and, brother of Joseph. And aren't Ernest sisters around here? And so what, what that was saying was an incredibly big insult. They were saying, son of Mary. And usually the, they said, son of their father. And in this culture, this was saying that he's an illegitimate child. And so that was an incredibly offensive thing to say to Jesus. And that's why, that's why they respond this way, that they took offense, and they were throwing insults at, their, at the kid who lived down the street, even though he was preaching truth, even though they were, he was doing miracles right in front of them. They assumed that he was the kid down the street, 
and they were unwilling to change. And so when we choose understanding, when we choose to, to be like David and say, God, what does understanding mean? We again start to clear this up a little bit more. And when we say, God, show me your ways, and, and God, I believe what will happen is God will start to show you the ways of which you can be clear in your perspective of God. And you start to see Jesus clearly. And some of us just need to take the time to do it. We're stuck this way, and it's been all caked on after years and years, and we really got to get the Windex off and spray this and say, God, show me. Give me understanding. I desire to understand who you really are. Show me what it means to be a child of God. Show me, show me what it means to, to, to see you clear. Show me what it means to worship you. Show me what it means to serve you. We need to pray those prayers. The second thing I want to encourage you is, that, is to choose service over retreat. And the reason I say this is because Jesus could have bounced right then. You know, he got, he got insulted. They were not welcoming him. They were rejecting him. They were pushing him out. And they, he could have bounced easily. Like, that was almost expected. Like, okay, you're getting, you're getting rejected. Aren't you going to leave? But what he chose to do after that was spoke volumes. He served the people. Even though he was, he was being rejected, he served and prayed and performed miracles to those that rejected him. And that's exactly what we're supposed to We're supposed to model what Jesus did. We're supposed to model who Jesus is. And you want to know why many of us have this distorted view of God? It's because we're not serving. It's because we're not acting like Jesus. It's because, here, here's the real truth. Here's what it comes down to. We have an inaccurate view of God because we're so selfish. I'm just giving it to you how you are. You came here on a windy day to let me, to let me preach to you and let, me know, let you tell, tell you how it really is, is that many of us have this view of God is because we're looking out for number one. It's because every question we ask is, how does this benefit me? How can I be number one? How can this serve, how can this serve me? How can this situation be most comfortable, most convenient for me? But when we serve others, that is, we, we are modeling what Jesus did, and when we start to act like Jesus... We, get, we put our faith into action. We see Jesus clearly. When we act like Jesus, we understand Jesus more clear. And when we do this, it's, it's the opportunity to remove us from this, this rut that we're in. I've talked to people and they say, man, I just feel distant from God. I've been praying. You know, I've even came to church a few times. I've, you know, I'm, I'm just, I just don't feel like I even tried going to a community group. And, and what, I've, what I've said to them is like, hey, are you serving? What are you doing with the gifts that God's given you? What are you doing with the gifts that God's given you? How are you serving other people? How are you, you, are you right now you're asking these questions, but all I hear is me, me, me. And yeah, you need to work on yourself. You ne don't, don't neglect the needs that you have. Don't neglect what, you know, asking for, for Jesus to heal you, asking for clarity. We just talked about that. But God calls us to serve one another. The essence of our faith is self-sacrifice. It's saying, I'm going to die to the needs I have, and I'm going to put the needs of others before me. That's why I believe we should all sign up for Hope Week. That's why we push this so hard. It's because it's incredibly life-giving to do. We don't want to just make us look cool as we're serving, but we believe this is the best blessing for you. Don't miss out on this. That's what we say about joining a team. Don't miss out on this. That's what we say about giving, and that's because we're saying don't miss out on it because it is a blessing to give. 
It's our value at Project Church, our blueprint, is generosity, our privilege. We have the privilege to serve our community. We have the privilege to give of ourselves. We have the privilege to serve others. And when we do this, we see Jesus clearly. People, people are missing this all the time. And so we need to choose service over retreat. Often we just want to retreat from those people that, that reject us. And, and, but, but we're called, we're, at Project Church, we don't just retreat. We don't just come in to say, okay, let's huddle up and stay. stay we're going to be okay. No, but we infiltrate with hope. We infiltrate with love. We reach out to the community and bring light into the darkness. That's what we're called to do. And when we do this, when we put our faith in action, I believe we'll see Jesus clearly. We sign up for a team. Boom. We, we choose to sign up for hope we can start serving others. Boom. We give financially. Boom. We decide to, serve, to put our neighbor above our own, and we go mow their, the neighbor's lawn. We take out the neighbor's trash. We decide to get up early with the kids, and we're starting to act it out. And as we act it out, as we choose to put others first, I believe what happens is we see him clearly, and more and more we're understanding who God is, and we're seeing him clearly. Are you seeing this, church? You getting this? I believe we're all called to do this, and I believe some, some of this needs to, to, to happen even this morning. Last thing is this, is that we're called to choose forgiveness over offense. People are often offended by that which they don't understand. They, they didn't understand. They, they were unwilling to understand. And it says the people of Naz, Nazareth took offense at Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Like he was healing people and they just got offended. Like they, they just got offended. Like who do you think you are healing people? That person's arm was perfectly fine, broken. Why, why'd you do that? Seriously? And they took offense at Jesus healing people. They took offense at Jesus proclaiming the gospel. And they were unwilling to see Jesus clearly. And they, they, when, when something they didn't understand, they just took offense from it. And, and I believe this is a big one for us. See, see Jesus modeled this. He got a, he, you know, he, he was, he was given, he hurled insults at him. Son of Mary, you're just that carpenter's son. He was being hurled these insults that were incredibly insulted in that culture. But he just shook it off. He was like, you know what? I'm not going to hold this against you. I'm just going, to, just going to shake it off. And I'm going to keep on serving people. I'm not going to be offended. I'm going to keep on serving people. Because what did he do? Jesus, after being rejected, he kept on healing people. It said, man, he marveled at their unbelief. And so if I'm pretty impressed. The Nazarites did do something impressive to me for to have Jesus marvel at their unbelief. Jesus is like, wow, you guys really have no faith. And that is quite an accomplishment for the Son of God to, to marvel at your unbelief. They, they, were, they lacked so much and they rejected him, but he chose, he said, man, the, the, they limited God. He wasn't able to perform many miracles there, but what he did do, he still was able to do some miracles. He said it's, he healed some and he taught among some of the villages there in Nazareth. And many of us, so easy to have forgiveness and we choose not to serve people and we choose not to have understanding. And the root of many of these things, the, the root of all this, you know, you can't, you can't understand, we won't be willing to understand and see clearly Jesus unless we're willing to forgive. 
unless we're willing to forgive, because I think the dirtiest thing on this slate is unforgiveness that have happened to us, and some of them have happened years ago, and we're holding on to it because we think that we have the right to be offended. I was talking to my friend yesterday, and I was saying, man, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping it hurts the other person. And some of us have been drinking this poison of unforgiveness, and the poison looks like our view of God. It becomes so incredibly muddy on our lens of which we view God. And And the Lord put it on my heart to share with you. Some of us are just carrying this unforgiveness that we've built up, and it's become muddied and caked and dried on there so much. But when we allow forgiveness to flow from us, I believe there will be a breaking for our relationship with God, a passage we don't like to talk about because we talk, talk about the forgiveness of God. is in Matthew 6 when he said, hey, we should forgive others because if you do not forgive others, I will not forgive you. And some of us are holding unforgiveness to other people And as a result, we're holding back the forgiveness of God. And as a result, we're distancing ourselves from God. And as a result, we're not viewing God clearly. And some of us need to humble ourselves and realize, I have this thing that someone did to me, and I'm even blaming God for it. If God was so good, why would he let my friend die? Why would he let my family member die? Why would he he let my parents split up when I was a child? Why would they let my kid go through this thing? We, there's a number of things. It may be, may be for you that we're, you're holding on to unforgiveness, and as a result, you're blaming God, and you have a distorted view of God, and as a result, you find yourself incredibly distant from God. Because Scripture says, hey, if you don't forgive other people, I'm not going to forgive you. Today, I want to challenge you to humble yourself, take the Windex and take the rag and say, you know what, God, I'm going I'm to choose to understand. I'm going to choose to, to uh, God, show me what it means. Show me what it means. I'm going to forgive. You know what, that thing that happened when I was a kid, I'm going to let it go. You know what, that thing that happened a few years ago, that wasn't fair. I'm not going to say it's right, but I'm going to choose to forgive. You know what, that person that, that, doesn't, that rubs me the wrong way, I'm going to choose to serve them because that's what Jesus would do. I'm going to choose to say, God, show me your ways. God, I want to see the way you see. Show me your path. And as we do this, the most important thing about us will start to come into play. We'll start to see Jesus clearly. I believe we'll, we'll start to see miracles happen. We'll start to see God move in our lives. And we'll start to, to see him clearly. And when we see him clearly, when we see him clearly, we'll become deeper and intimate with God. And familiarity won't breed contempt. Familiarity will breed intimacy. Familiarity will breed this deeper understanding of who God is. Familiarity will will breed this joy that I have because I know who God is and I see that he loves me. I see that he cares for me. I see that he's going to provide for me. I see that he sees every need that I have and he's going to take care of me. When when you see Jesus clearly, man, there's joy in that. So I want to challenge all of us to stand across this place and ask yourself, 
God, am I seeing you clearly? What's on my, what's on my view of God? What's in my lens that I'm not offering up to you? Would you pray with me across this place? Jesus, we just want to see you.